fanficmedia.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast. With hosts Christiana Ellis, Chuch Schubert, Vivid Muse, and Nookchus. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Beyond the Wall, Season 6. Episode 6, as this is Game of Thrones, Episode 6, Blood of My Blood. We uh, had many, many, many technical difficulties, which seems to be happening a lot more often. And, and um, yeah, getting ready to dump Google Hangouts. To tell you Can how I desperate... share one yeah. that I'm just now discovering? We All we have is the Specific Media logo. We don't have your no. <laughs> sexy face. Yeah. There you are, now my baby. You have okay. a third now. Yeah, so both third works. Overlay doesn't work. Here's how desperate I was and why we're now on at 8.51 p.m. I am running Internet Explorer. Jesus, y'all. I almost threw holy water on him when I it's, walked in and saw that. It's bad. And it, the image is all flickery and like, but it sounds great to me at least. So that's something, I guess. Yeah, we've lost the Echo and the Cylon and all the other <laughs> fun that we've had. But I'd like to give Boy. Google Hangouts a big shame bell. Screw you guys. We're finding somewhere else to do this. Every week this season. That's just been getting worse and worse. They they must have abandoned it. Um anyways, but we have not abandoned you. We have not abandoned Game of Thrones. We no. um, We have survived Balticon fifty. Which was pretty epic. <laughs> very, epic. very epic. I mean, you know, we've been talking about it for weeks leading up. <clears throat> um, George R. R. Martin was there. He did do a reading from Winds of Winter mm-hmm. that I missed. But that's <laughs> good because I want to stay unspoiled, right? So right. did anybody catch it? Uh, no, although I have uh, I have gleaned some of the details just from online accounts. I wasn't there. I purposefully was not there because I don't like to do spoiler chapters. I don't like to get the stuff from the books until I'm actually reading the book. And um, everybody was putting all of the spoilers in the Balticon hashtag. (sighs) So if you were following the Balticon hashtag, you were forced to see all of these spoilers. And I tried really hard not to look and trying not to remember... But it it did irk me, and I um I specifically thought, okay, well, once it's been a couple of hours, I can go back to reading it. If you go in the Balticon hashtag thing, they're still retweeting things from that hour now, and basically somebody went point by point by point, and it's spoiler after spoiler after spoiler, and I really don't want to find out on Twitter of all things. I want it to be in the beautiful prose that you. <laughs> Out. You want it in Martin's words, in the right way, yeah. Yes. yeah. And so I was, I was a bit disappointed. I do remember certain people at the con saying, "Wow, I mean, if you don't want spoilers, you shouldn't be online." I'm like, I'm in the Balticon hashtag of the convention I'm at. See, I but should yeah. not I have say, to expect to be spoiled there. I gotta say, I never, ever, ever, ever follow hashtags for exactly that reason. It's always. People trying to show, look, I know more than you. I know more than you. Oh, yeah, well, I know more than you. And so I am never in those conversations. And I feel sorry for you that you saw that. I purposefully went to someone that went to the reading and said, spoil me. Tell me everything. 
I well, um because I didn't read book five yet, it really didn't <laughs> really don't mean know much. Fuck all of what's going on. <laughs> um, yeah, no no spoilers for me. My mistake. Yeah, it's it's uh almost everything in it would mean very little to someone only watching the T V show, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. The the Balticon hashtag in previous years has been the way that I've met up with other people. It, mostly it was a new media thing that people were using, and it, it was along the lines of, I'm in this panel, and th someone said this. Right. And it's usually like awesome quotes, or it's a picture from a panel, or it's, hey, I'm going over yeah. to Noodles, who wants to come kind of a thing. And mm. it was just uh, not that this year. But we mm. had the added attraction which brought an unattractive element to Balticon of people that were fans of the show and expected a big Comic-Con or PAX event, you know, and instead they got Balticon, which is a small literary event. George wants to talk about the books. He doesn't want to talk about the TV show. Yeah. And I think that people came into it with such insane expectations, especially since it was changing to a new hotel and we had all these growing pains and, and, um, it just was it, it was it was a complex weekend, but I think that the people that go for the reasons like I want more chocolate in the con suite or, you know, the kinds of complaints <laughs> we were hearing in addition to the programming issues, it's just, you know, I'm okay if you never come back again if that's your <laughs> attitude. Stay away. I'm happy about it. If you've yeah. outgrown this con, bye. <laughs> so yeah, that's just my personal opinion. I thought that there was a, you know, we had some hiccups, and honestly, the only time that Chooch and I had a chance to um, really, at a time when my health was up, see George was like within an hour of leaving our room on the first night. We went down to the bar, and I was just telling our friends, okay, I don't care what's going on. If you have a George sighting, please message me right away, because I really want to give him our friend and Podcasting Sugar Daddy, the gentleman that started this channel and this show, uh, P.G. Holyfield. We had a copy of his book, Murder at Avedon Hill, and I really wanted to put that in George's hands instead of sending it off to some agent or something. Mm -hmm. And we also got him to sign our copy, which I can't find now, of um, my copy of Dance with Dragons that I got in the mail in 2012 from Amazon and I made all of you guys sign it and you were mad at me. We can't sign it. No. What if you meet George? Well, George signed it. So it's okay. You guys signed it first, but he got above the title. But we only had that opportunity because we literally were sitting in the bar with only one other table of people and he walked by and sat down at that table of other people and we were we were like, ugh. And trying to gather up courage when he saw that um, he let someone approach and he was laughing and jovial and he was in for it. And so we kind of just grabbed the books and Chooch said, be brave. And so we were and we waited until he signaled us that he was, you know, cool to interact. And like we told a, him about yeah. our show and we told him about PG and we gave him the book and we got the signature. And it was a very touching moment. And we didn't get it at any of the book signings. We didn't get it at anything else. And that was literally the only time. I think I only saw him one other time the whole weekend. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it was, we were really, really lucky because a lot of people had um, less favorable. Maybe they didn't get in to get him signed or maybe they got in line and they weren't able to have the moment with them that they really wanted to, to share their love with it. 
because things were a little off on programming and other things. And so it just ended up, I think, at some point, you know, and I've had it happen to me with other creators where they're signing things, but they're kind of just out of it because they're just so tired of just signing things. It's kind and, of conveyor belt thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it just, it's, I'm so grateful for the experience that we have. I don't know if he if he's ever going to read PG's book or not, but he did say he wished that he could have met him. And that's, you know, that's obviously how PG would have felt too, but he's got the book now. And from what I hear, he reads absolutely everything on the internet and that's handed to him. So hopefully someday he'll read PG's book too. That would be cool. Mission accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got to interact with a lot of the uh, George R. R. Martin cosplayers. Yeah, there were a ton, weren't there? Yeah, you, that were, you, you had your own nice one on the night of our show, Nettie. Um, oh, the 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 young George, yes. uh, George well, still is the chess master. <laughs> the one you wore to the panel, the one with the fur and the and oh. the. You mean the my costume? Yeah, yours, the one with the new Hodor patch. <laughs> yes, I uh, I was a Westerosi punk. Uh, so I had like a, a ripped up Night's Watch cloak with uh, handmade patches pinned so in cool. with old style pins. And yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I got I got a lot of people stopping me so that they could read them all. Yeah, mm -hmm. read all the patches. But uh, no, I, I was thinking specifically of the people that were cosplaying as George R. R. Martin. Oh, mm. my God. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of them. Yeah, there we was had, one in the uh, front row of our panel, didn't we? Yes, yep. we did. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I say that's uh, Chessmaster George. Um, <laughs> okay. Chessmaster George, gotcha. Because he looks like he's the age that George was when he was still uh, working as a professional chessmaster. And oh. then um, I had uh, the one that is like a dead ringer. Uh, he was at one of my panels. And um, as it turns out, he and his wife were celebrating their 40 years together. They met mm. on the con circuit and they're going to all the conventions they went to that summer. And Balticon was one of them. And I just Very thought that cool. was totally That is the most yeah. sweetest, cutest, nerdiest thing I think I've ever heard. So I had to share it on the podcast. So if you're listening, George R. R. Martin Cosplayer, you're, you and your wife are awesome. And I hope you have had a great 40th anniversary year. <laughs> Seconded. Congrats. Very cool. Uh, let's see. News, news, news. I don't think we really had any other news. So we did have a recording, live recording at Balticon, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. We were in this huge room. It was full and everybody had a great time. We discussed many, many what ifs and yeah. we're amazed at how, how they dovetail into each other. How one thing, you know, dominoes fall. So, you know, started with the most obvious, what if Ned hadn't died? Right. What if he'd gone to the wall? And then that just leads to this and this and that and that. And so um, I thought it was a blast, a lot of fun. Did Have you have you checked the audio? I, I was unsure if the uh, crowd participation would be how well it would be picked up. I did some quick little spot checks on mine. And, you know, it's not great, but it's something that I can work on and post. OK, um, cool. And I think that it was a lot of too, fun, right? Yeah, I uh, Eric. Uh, the the guy in charge of tech at Balticon did a great job, by the way, the tech department did. Um, he said that there are video recordings from the Kent, and he's checking for me to see if they've got video from that night, which means that there will be audio, too, that we can hopefully get more of the crowd hmm. interaction from that cool. as well. So I think there's audio and video, but I don't know much more about it than that. So 
Cool. I would like to go on record and say that I would love to do another what if panel. I Amen. Think was so I successful know. and we barely scratched the surface. We yeah. Literally, I mean, I didn't even ever get to pull out the list that I did like four years ago of the what ifs, but you guys had a lot of them on there already. But like, just so listeners and viewers know, we have already talked about, you know, yes, we're going to continue every season, every week, every year that they do the show, but we also are going to really, really, really try this time to do bonus episodes where we do more what if, what if episodes. Or maybe after the election, we can tackle the political conversation that Chooch is dying to have with mm. Westeros state politics <laughs> versus the U.S. Yeah. politics. Well, let's wait till after um, the election, okay? Right. <laughs> we were talking about possibly doing deep dives into each of the houses. So have a series of episodes, and each episode is dedicated to one house. Maybe yes. kind of thing. And then you guys have talked yeah. about doing the super spoiler episode that, that – uh, yeah. I have begged <laughs> Christiana and Nutty to spoil me on book five, like since a year ago. And I kind of feel like let's just do it online because we are, I haven't made I'm time in. any other way. We're all so busy. Otherwise, let's just turn mm -hmm. that into an episode where you totally spoil me on book five. And that'll be our first spoiler episode. <laughs> Beyond the wall, spoiling Viv. Spoiling? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, right. I don't get that enough. <laughs> <laughs> But if you have ideas for other kinds of uh, con uh, conversations like that, just send us a message. You know, that also will get you an entry in our contest. But we love getting ideas, and we can't think of them all, so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or even just, I mean, the nature of what-ifs is that it's there's so much imagination involved. So there might, even if we discuss a, a particular one, there might be all sorts of implications that we forget to consider. True. Mm -hmm. True, yeah. Yeah, we, we ran into that during the panel. It was like the mm -hmm. the snowball effect is just tremendous when you get yeah. to a certain point. It's really fun. So we'll probably clean that up and release it uh, this weekend or next week or sometime. We're still Balticon recovering, but mm. <laughs> yeah. we will get that in the feed. We um Hopefully people saw that we dropped the George R. R. Martin interview in the feed from uh, Mysticon. So we had that. For people to enjoy i thought it was a really co cool interview rich sigford is so much fun to hang out with it's so funny and yeah. uh great mm, interviewer such a great interviewer um yeah so. it's a really fun interview that's the kind of interview i would have hoped that we could have gotten if he had been doing you know interviews at our convention mm -hmm. really fun <laughs> um oh and speaking of interviews there was um i think it was from last week actually it may have been last wednesday so a little dated, but Amelia Clark was on, um, she was on a couple different shows. One of the shows was Seth Meyers, which we watch now and then, depending on the guest. And I wanted to play a quick audio clip of her. Um, there was a funny section they did talking about the Dothraki language. And um, uh, he, you know, well, no, I was going to say, I think it's a clean segment. I don't think I need to really intro it too much. <laughs> so <laughs> Seth Meyers with Amelia Clark. Um, all right. You got to tell me if it's BS or not. I okay. hear there's a real, like, there's an actual Dothraki language. <laughs> yeah. Is it, or are you just making up words as you go? Well, well, that's a, that's a good question, because it's a language. Okay. It's a full language. Okay. Like, you can study How, it. And this, when did this language start? Is it with the TV show, or is it, like... Oh, it's for the TV show. Okay, gotcha. David Peterson wrote it for the TV show. Okay. So it's, and it's won awards and stuff. That's fantastic. It's special. So then do you learn it... Oh, do you read it in the yeah. script? Is it written in... 
Well, see, it's it's really it's oh, you get so you get it in in English, and then okay. at the top in the first script, it's like it, this will be in Dothraki, and then you get the Dothraki, so you get it in Dothraki, and then you get it in the next translation of it, which is let's say I'm going to kill everyone, is what I'm saying. Right. Don't say that. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler. <laughs> um, and then it's translated into everyone kill Doth Doth something something I am, and then it's in English. Wow. And then I get an MP3, and then my kitchen hears it. For okay. weeks and wow. weeks and weeks on end until I sound convincing. And has there ever... I mean, they don't yell cut if you get it wrong, right? They don't know. Oh. Everyone's like... <laughs> everyone's like, go back to the bit where you... From the... Go from the top? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, no one knows. So have you ever, in the middle of it, sort of fallen away from the language as written? Yeah, maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah, really? maybe. Oh, maybe, so if we, maybe if, recently, maybe in this season. And I didn't what did realize. you replace it with? Do you just start like mumbling words or? Well, now, now we're kind of in season six yeah. and I'm sort of we're all comfortable <laughs> <laughs> on set and um, with the latest load of load of Dothraki. With the latest, <laughs> the latest. That's one a of, load of Dothraki. <laughs> <laughs> with the latest marvelous actors we've had doing Dothraki with us, um, it was a long day, and I thought it wasn't. You know, it was on. His close up, and we were goofing around. Right, I didn't so you're realize off we were camera doing your lines. Doing my lines, exactly. Um, so I thought it'd be funny if I did Mbop in yeah. Dothraki. Right. And that didn't help him. <laughs> no, right. At all. That probably at takes all. you out of it a little bit. A little bit. And yeah. then I think some of that was definitely. Now, my what is take. Mbop in what, Dothraki? So, Mbop is that I don't think it was That's so. I can't stress how much less catchy that is. So, yeah, that was a fun one. She was just absolutely adorable. Indeed. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's funny because a part of the interview, they were talking about how Khaleesi is always so serious and she is always so bubbly and vivacious and all that. So it's like kind of a bigger acting stretch, you know, to be Khaleesi and always be so serious and dour and said, you know, between, between scenes, she's immediately blah, and laughs and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> So where so, do you want to start this week, my love? Yeah, I think um, I think that's all the news. <laughs> news and non-news. Um, this episode was <laughs> we're still in turbo mode, but we slowed down from five and six. The roller coaster mm-hmm. was flying, and now we're kind of coming, and we're resetting mm-hmm. resetting the stage for the end game of the season. So it's a little, definitely a little slower. Less happened, but plenty still happened. Um, yeah, I think was it first up, um, Bran mm-hmm. beyond the wall with yep. um, them ruining our beautiful tree. <laughs> <laughs> our logo. Yeah, no, we're not bitter. That's more money well, for Natalie. <laughs> but uh, we got some uh, exciting stuff um, I, from this sequence. In fact, uh, despite. In in some superficial ways, it not seeming like the plot necessarily advances that much, but uh, there's just some big reveals that affect things a lot, and that's um, not only in, of course, the reveal of Benjamin Stark as s- sort of like a white, but not, and he's good, I think, um, but also just on the... Uh, all those little snippets of uh, 
Green Dream or whatever they are, visions that Bran was having, including visions of the Mad King Eris saying burn them all in wildfire in King's Landing. Yes, so much of that. <laughs> I bet you, because we just got those teensy snippets, that we actually get like a full-on flashback there at some point. Yeah. I so hope I think so. he was hearing voices, and then well, it'll reveal whose voices he was hearing. Mm-hmm. Which I guess presumably is Bran because the Three-Eyed Raven's gone, or well, he is mm-hmm. the Three-Eyed Raven because that's what Benjamin or, specifically said. You are. Or him. At, yeah. Um, I I also just sort of feel like would they would they bother showing that for a split second if that's all it was going to be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so who knows what the plot impact of that will be? But there was just some interesting stuff there. Um, I think we also got. Uh, we got a few shots from the Tower of Joy also, mm-hmm. but uh, not not anything we hadn't really... Like, uh, I think everything else was stuff that we are, are tangentially aware of already. Um, but uh, just still exciting stuff. Um, you know, what's exactly going on there? He says he can't control it, but, you know, like in some ways it, it almost feels like is he, is he downloading all this information? Mm-hmm. Or is you know is he is is it like flipping through the pages on an encyclopedia or is he retaining some of that? What's going on? We don't know. Yeah, it's there's a lot there. Did anyone slow it down to go like frame by frame? I did not. No. I kind of wanted to, but uh, didn't didn't get a chance. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't even get to do the second rewatch like I usually like to, but yeah. with Balticon kind of. Sp- skewered everything around a little bit so <laughs> i'm i'm in agreement with christiana i think that we're going to get back to that stuff i'm very excited about that this whole segment of the show i'm like ready to burst um when we first see the uh mysterious rider mm-hmm. uh and i'm like oh he has a northern accent and then it's revealed that he's benjin yeah mind-blowing except it it may be a, another one of these huge divergent changes from the books. Well, it's weird, and this is this is exactly the sort of stuff that gets complicated in terms <laughs> of whether it counts as a spoiler yeah, or not, I because mean. we kind of literally don't know. Right. Because this character that is Benjin in the show. Benjin is filling a role of a character that in the book we don't know who he is. Mm, right. Okay. Okay. There's a guy who shows up. They call him Cold Hands because, duh. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's doing, and he does what um, we see Benjin doing here. And in fact, actually, in the book, he shows up as soon as they're north of the wall. Mm. Um, and helps them get to the Three-Eyed Raven. So he's, he's there along with them for much longer in the book. So he's now showing up. Um, but in the book, we don't know who he is. And, and, and yet, some people had the theory, even still, that it was Benjin. Until? Until there was this weird thing where somebody found... Um, they saw a scan of the marked-up early draft of of game uh, or not game of thrones but one of the books where the editor was asking george is this supposed to be oh, benjamin and george says no yeah so 
It's the original pages back and forth gotcha. that George donated to the Cushing Library. And this person went through and took pictures of all of the notes. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things in there. And there's that one. It's like, is this Benjamin? Because if it's Benjamin, how come Brand doesn't recognize him? And all of these yeah. questions, question, question, question. Like the whole margin is filled in with green pencil. Yeah. And George's response is just a red, no exclamation point. <laughs> Some people theorize that the no is, no, we're not talking about that again. Uh, whereas other people say, you know, it's just a definitive no. Yeah. And then there's also stuff about how Cold Hands, has, his eyes are black, but not the color of Benjamin's and all of this other nonsense. So it could be a huge departure from the books, or it could be book truth, because even though it may not have been Benjamin when he was writing it, it could be Benjamin now because a lot of things right. have changed through the course of writing. Yeah, since they well, never, and, never and, named the character, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it might it might be that it's a divergence from the books that's not a big one because it right. who knows, it might actually just not matter very much. Right. You know what I mean? It's like in terms of who it is. I mean, it's great on the show because of course the mystery of what happened to Benjamin has been lingering since early season one. Yep. Um, and so to have him show up again, and we we were given the various pieces that we want to know. It's like, okay, well, apparently, Dragon Glass to the heart both turns you into a White Walker and turns you not into a White Walker. But yeah, okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and that's the other and thing. Kills it gives you. us so much more information. It's the yeah, thought it, that counts. <laughs> it's, it's the aloha of <laughs> weapons. But uh, before he shows up, though, I just I I was so with Mira in that moment of just this idea of she's having so much trouble pulling this thing, and she just she's doing the best she can, but it's so cold and it's exhausting, and she's scared and she's tired, and she and they're coming, and she just doesn't know what to do, and just gives all she has, but then it's just just like it's not enough. And then, you know, Bran finally wakes up and says, they're coming or they're here mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's just like, oh, God. And as soon as the writer sh- showed up, I was like, oh, finally. Yeah. Gold hands. Gold hands. <laughs> but, um, I immediately thought, oh, finally, Benjen. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I so did. it's very exciting. The, the thing is, too, that is similar to how the – you know, Sir Strong is basically, they just say, no, it's the mountain. Everybody knows yeah. that. Yeah, they're, um, not, they're only calling him Sir Gregor on the show. Yeah. yeah, so I think it's just a matter of, in a TV show, it's pretty much impossible to have a new character turn out to be an old character and just be able to keep it secret because people are going to just say, Oh look! If you turn the brightness up on this one frame, you can see under the hood, and it's actually this actor, and blah blah blah. So I think they just, unless there's some real reason for it to stay secret, they just say, "No, let's just just be out right. front yeah. with it." Besides, people would be excited. Hey, look, it's Benjamin, and he's not looking great, but better than dead. <laughs> so we have a comment in the Q and A. Mike McCauley says he's just happy to see them not show what happened to Hodor, and I will agree to that. Yeah, there's there's yeah. no no need. Uh, no it's one hard enough as it is. Well, I you know I also am just stealing myself a little bit for the possibility we'll get white version of 
Hodor no. at some point. No. I I kind of hope not, but you can't argue that it's the sort of the thing this show might do. True. I know. I didn't How do I hit delete on Harry? Delete. Delete, 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 <laughs> delete, delete. <laughs> Crazy. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it was an ex- like so. Even though all it really does is just sort of establish the new status quo for Bran well, and Mira and Benjamin now. Yeah, I think it was really important, and maybe you already said this when I stepped away, but I think it was just really important for Bran to see someone from his damn family. Mm-hmm. You know, there's more motivation for you because he was dead and he's still here and he's still your Uncle Benjamin and, you know, it sucks, but mm-hmm. it could be worse. Yeah. The, uh, it's, you know, it's exciting. You know, it's, it's we're getting all sorts of family reunions this season. <laughs> Even some of the ones we weren't necessarily expecting. Mm-hmm. That's true, yeah. yeah. It's true. Uh, anything else north of the wall? I don't think so. No. Uh, more family reunion, Sam's reunion, when we didn't know why on earth they were going to go to the house. And now apparently we see why. I mean, we knew yeah. his dad was going to be a dick. And mm-hmm. it was interesting to me, that dinner conversation, how he totally just looked like a little kid sam did you know once his dad started laying in on him and then afterwards he's like hey you know i was afraid he wasn't gonna let you stay i couldn't Mm -hmm. sorry i couldn't stand up for you yeah i i have i have mixed feelings about this whole sequence because on the one hand like everything about that dinner is kind of obvious you know what Mm -hmm. I mean based on what we've already heard about Sam's family like there's nothing really surprising in that whole conversation they kind of set us up for better not tell them you're a wildling cut to oh by the way north of the wall Um, and and I don't I don't want to harp on that Mm -hmm. but the the point is like that see like everything in um, Horn Hill was calculated basically just to build Sam to this sort of hero moment, right? Where he decides to take what is his, so to speak, I guess. And so I I think it's effective for that, but for me it's still a little, feels a little crooked just because, like, what is his plan mm-hmm. here? Yeah. He still can't take her to the Citadel, and now his dad's probably going to come after him for the sword. So what what is the plan here? I I that's where I'm I'm frustrated. It's one thing to want to stand up to your family, but I I I I want to yeah. I want a better sense that he has actual some idea of what they're going to do. Yeah. My um, guess is he will hold her up somewhere in Old Town because that's where mm-hmm. the Citadel's at, right? So that's a city, yeah. presumably. I guess, so. you know, I mean, his hesitation before when that's what she said she wanted was, you know, by yourself with no money, and, you know, maybe he just concluded that would be better. Yeah, but now yeah. his dad's like, fine, she'll work in the kitchens and we'll raise the mm-hmm. bastard and you're never going to be in this house again. Yeah. And so, yeah, I can see why it's like we have to be together just because... Mm. Who knows what his dad will do after that? Like, that's what he says now, but... Right. 
And with the sword, I don't know. I don't know that I'm convinced dad will come after him because he seems so concerned about how other people think of the family and think of him. I don't know if they want anybody to know that Sam took it. Right. Well, the the whole thing with the sword and we have a, a Jennifer in the chat is talking about how she thought it was out of character for Sam to take the sword and what does he want to do with it. But to me, the the reason for the sword has nothing to do with the home uh, or the house name. John actually sent letters. He wants all of the Valerian steel to fight the White Walkers because we know that Valerian steel can win against them and yes. it's not as fragile as dragon glass. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we talked about last season, but they haven't really brought up. But that to me was like, Sam's like, you know what? We need that in the fight yep. against the wall. They don't right. even believe that there's white walkers. They're not going to surrender it. I'm just going to take it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're going to let it sit on that wall and help nobody out of pride instead yep. of giving it to Sam who knows its value. And, you know, this is the only thing that he's taking. He's not taking gold. He's not taking nope. gems. He's taking something that will defend Gilly and little Sam. And, mm-hmm. fuck, yeah, I was cheering. It was it was tropey. It was expected. It was syrupy. But, God damn it, I loved it. It's been a right. while since we've had that, Sam. And his dad will take yeah. it as you took the one thing that meant anything to the family. You know, he'll yeah. take it as the biggest yeah. insult when it's really it's the most practical thing. Yeah. Right, exactly. Right. So, like, I, I definitely didn't hate the moment. It's nice seeing Sam, you know, demonstrate once again for us that no matter how he sometimes thinks of himself, he is not craven at all. No. Um, but at the same time, like I said, it just, it's such a break from plan A that it just makes me want to know that he has some vague clue as to what happens next rather than just saying, okay, we're just going to ride off in the middle of the night with something that my father values above anything else um, with nowhere to go. I can't take her to where I was going to go. What's the plan, Sam? I, I okay. So I don't hate it. I just want to know what the plan is because right now it feels kind of just crazy by the seat of his pants and I'm not sure I can fully get behind that. <laughs> yeah. And, so and to me that the, part I agree on. I I would be shocked if he didn't have a plan. I guess in the back of my mind I'm kind of counting on that. Yeah. Maybe I'm being uh, too trusting. <laughs> so in the books like the plan is never that Sam's going to go to um Horn Hill. We're not going to spoil the books are we? No, 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 it's not it's not it's just <laughs> he's not there he's still on a boat it's okay for the viewers this is a new for anyone that wasn't at Balticon this is a new addition it's the we shame got a bell. shame bell which I, I suggested we rename the spoiler bell but they like the no, name we shame, like bell. The shame bell <laughs> so when we get close it's going to be a little so, and Chooch also has the right to do that if it doesn't sound familiar to him he's going to say whoop stop <laughs> what I had thought was going to happen or the impression that I got was that Gilly was going to go to Hornhill and say, oh, by the way, your son sent me. This is his bastard. And that mm-hmm. Sam was, we weren't going to ever see Sam reunite with his family because his father would not want to see him. And his father wasn't even there. But that her, his mother and his sister would take care of her. And it's lovely. So this to me, I was like, this is the fan fiction I want. I want to see Sam's mom. I want to see Sam's sister. And they're, look, they're so nice to Gilly. Isn't that sweet? And Actually, Dickon is not that much of a dick. He's just, you know, obtuse and focused. He's the way his dad raised him to be. Yeah, but I mean, he's not mean about it. It's just no. yeah. well, it, 
what it much hunting? <laughs> well, Dickens strikes me as someone who like he does not hate Sam the way his dad does, but he is sure not going to get in between them. No, 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 no. It's more honestly, like I'm going to treat you nicely, but I'm also not going to defend you from him because yep. that will just make it fall on me. I'm the one that benefited when he you sent he sent you away, so I'm not going to like rub that in. <laughs> yep, yep. I'm just going to say I'm going to let you keep that between you guys and I'll Very stay out of it. Like. One yeah. thing that I really liked about well it was it was the scene before this. It was when they were in the um in the carriage heading there to Horn Hill. Is that mm -hmm. what it's called? Horn Hill? Yep. Yeah. Horn Hill. Um and it just took me back to an early an earlier episode where they were still on the ship. So they, they start the scene with her and Sam's barfing on the ship and they show just her face in this tiny little window and she's like got an E. T. look of wonder, like a Steven Spielberg <sighs> you know, I see I see dinosaurs kind of look on her face as she's looking out the porthole on the ship because you know, she's only ever known Craster's Keep and North of the Wall, and now she's mm -hmm. on a boat on the ocean and what seeing things she's never seen before. Mm -hmm. And then in this episode, um, they did a similar thing where she's before she and, and Sam are in, talking inside the carriage, you have this little glimpse of her just looking out with that same look of wonder at the southern world, you know, that she's never seen mm -hmm. before. There's no snow, there's no freezing, there's no incest, incestuous yeah. rape, you know, everything is just like, it's, mm -hmm. I'm really glad that they're taking that little four seconds or however long it takes to show that there is still wonders that Gilly yeah. recognizes in the world. You know, you can't give up on her just because of what she's been through. She still mm -hmm. has so much light in her. Mm -hmm. Well, and as Jennifer points out, she, she, you know, not that we doubted, but when she's all gussied up in the dress and the hair and everything, she's like, mm, yeah, not bad. She's so beautiful. She really so is. Lovely. And um, if you've ever seen that actress in anything else, it, it's a wonder that she doesn't outshine everybody else on this cast because she, in this show, sorry, she's just, she's so pretty. Um, one just uh, geography note, uh, Viv, you mentioned uh, Southern, so just on the, uh, you know, it's not only Southern, like everything is Southern to Gilly, who's from north of the wall, but mm -hmm. we should also point out that Horn Hill and nearby Old Town are pretty much the most southern cities we've seen, um, with maybe the exception of Sunspear. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, Sunspear's Sun a little south. further but they're, south. But they're close. It's yeah. in terms of uh, latitude, they're, mm -hmm. they're close. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty far it south. <laughs> southern, the southern edge of the uh, Westeros continent. And it looked like they Super were kind of near Highgarden, isn't that? Um, like, I guess that'd be the next closest going back towards King's Landing. Yeah, I think Highgarden would be kind of east northish, northeastish, like in between. The Reach is sort of in between where Old Town is and King's Landing, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have the map. That's where they're like in the the perfect farmland and all that. Yeah. Which is where they get so much of their resources from, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, right around the corner from High Garden. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was interesting uh, that I, you know, I I knew that Horn Hill wasn't going to be a dump, but uh, the way it looked, I mean, it was it was not small. Very impressive. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, it was bigger than I thought, too. Mm -hmm. I found it a second ago, but I looked away and I lost it. So here on the um, southern map, here's Horn Hill. Mm -hmm. And High Garden is, oh, shoot, I lost it, right above mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So there's High Garden okay. and there's there that. And there's Dorn. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Horn Hill is pretty close to Dorn and super south of this. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, I actually uh, briefly uh, wondered about and then discarded as unimportant why Sam was still walking around in the exact same clothes that he wore up at Castle Black. Yeah. Like, aren't you hot, dude? Come on. You don't have lighter versions of that? Is Probably that, not. Is that a rule? Brothers... Like... Well, you don't have to wear the coat. You can have a black shirt. <laughs> Yeah, I Maybe don't know. it's a sort of armor for him or something. I don't know. Yeah. See, I'm still there to watch. I'm still doing stuff. Bring in my bastard. Yeah. I don't really care that much, but I did notice and wonder. Seems quite impractical. Yeah. <laughs> um, my my last thought on this is, is not even really a full thing because I'll get more into it later, but um, the fact that he made this big decision without apparently having any kind of a plan Maybe he does have a plan and they just didn't tell us. Kind of dovetails into uh, a complaint I had about the King's Landing Section 2 and mm. sort of a general frustration with this episode that it feels like and probably could be considered part one of a two-parter because it's actually written and directed by the same guy who did the next one. Mm. And so I think that there are a lot of things about this one that are really designed explicitly to be a setup oh. for what's going to happen in the next episode. Interesting. Could be. Wanna but it left me King's frustrated. Landing? Sure. Yeah, we can jump straight to King's Landing. Um, I can't remember where it opened. I mean, the biggie is as well, Tommen and Marjorie we're, talking. Yeah, it's um, Tommen, I think, going to see Marjorie is... Right. Before, After talking before. to the High Sparrow, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's Marjorie and the High Sparrow, and then uh, he lets in Tommen. Yeah, so here's here's my frustration. I believe that Tommen could be talked into anything at this point, and mm -hmm. it just drives home my point that it's insane yeah. that Cersei and probably Kevin, too, although it's what Kevin wants at this point is who, who could say, but uh, why anyone let Tommen go talk to the High Sparrow by himself. Now, if he's determined, I suppose they can't technically stop him, but he had also said earlier this season he was prepared to listen to Cersei tell him what to do. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what's going on there? But um, but where I'm frustrated is when we last saw Marjorie, it sounded like this was all a play. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like she's telling him what she what he wants to hear. She's planning to try to, you know, convince... Uh, Loras to stay strong. She's saying the words with the hopes that it will get her something. But in this one, I, it starts to feel like either it's not an act anymore and she really believes it, which makes our, her, our last scenes with her seem confusing. Right. Like, when did she become a convert? We didn't see that process. Or it makes, like, if it's still an act, then she's giving away a lot of stuff here and right. it's not that what the it's again it's like what's the plan yeah. what's the plan Marjorie and uh, and you know I I hope that it turns out she has some secret plan or or if 
only that she didn't know what you know Cersei and Olenna and all were planning, and so she was basically saying, "Look, I was there in the dark. I had to do something. This gets me out um, without having to do the March of Atonement." Um, yeah. And so, even if that's all it is, I want to know that because this I this portrayal, like she really is converted, really rubs me the wrong way. I'm very mm. it agitated that it it because it doesn't match what we've seen previously from her I and there's no explanation like, I kind of feel like that was almost the theme of this episode because we saw that with uh, a little bit with Brandon Mira we saw a little bit of that with Sam and um, Gilly it's like what the blood of my blood we're dealing with family lines and, and other oaths and things like that but they're leaving us really cliffhangering mm -hmm. us on motivations so yeah. I agree with you so well, I my I I think that Marjorie is a really good actress I think that she's selling it very well but the the scene that made me think that she is not faking it is when the High Garden army shows up and the looks on her face like oh my god they're here for me I don't have to do this yeah yeah but it's too late mm -hmm. and and I think I think that she was playing it to get her and her brother out, yeah. and um, this is all like a surprise to her. I, well, I kind of, I had the same kind of question you guys did: is is this part of her game, or is she maybe maybe this has just seeing you know her crumbling and and Cersei rubbing her face in it on her visit before she got locked up, and then seeing her brother so broken, if maybe this hasn't maybe again who knows we don't haven't been told yet stripped away all of the things that the game has turned her into, all the manipulation and the acting, and she admitted that I did all these kind of things, but it was in front of other people. I never did it for what they really wanted. I did it for show. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge admission, like you said, and uh, that lends to her genuine conversion, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's, well, it's, it's I, weird. Yeah, because she does and says things that don't make sense to me unless it's genuine and she's a real convert. But if that's true, then it just makes me wonder what was the point of the scenes earlier this season that made it look like she was just going along to get better treatment, hoping to get out, hoping to help Loras. Because she actually says in this one that, like, well, her plan does not get Loras out. Yep. And she even says he'll have to atone. Mm -hmm. Like, so if this is all a plan, like, what's her plan for Loras? Because that seemed to be what she was motivating her before. Yeah. And so it's very, I, I'm very frustrated. Now, I feel like, I, I'm feeling honestly a little bit manipulated because I'm pretty sure that this feeling of frustration and uncertainty is what they intended us to feel. They're deliberately showing us something that's different than what we expected to see happen, and they're denying us the resolution of it because they want us, you know, invested, right? You know, like that's right. part of the storytelling that they're doing. Um, or at least I hope that it is because that would mean that resolution is going to be forthcoming. <laughs> if I, I will tell you guys right now, if it turns out that the actual answer is 
No, she just really became a real convert, and we just didn't get to see the process. I'm going to be very unhappy with that. Yeah. Yep. Not because I even disagree necessarily with that being a story path for them to take, but because they didn't earn it in the show. They didn't show it happening. Yeah. Um, and so, That would have been a big, powerful scene. I'm totally in agreement with you. So I'm hoping... I, I think it's all yeah. going to come down to the Queen of Thorns and kind of like... Um, the uh, the wedding, Joffrey's wedding, you know. Um, she works on the sidelines. She works in the background. So we've had a scene of her talking to the High Sparrow that didn't go that great. But when they're in the, and I don't remember now if that was before or after when they were in the small council saying Marjorie's going to do the walk and her saying it will not happen. It, you know, it cannot happen. It will not happen. And here, here, her making that definitive statement to me means anything that they necessarily show her doing in public could be a red herring and she is has other fingers doing other things you know Mm. to me the biggest clue that she is not a real convert is that we know she knows about elena and littlefinger poisoning joffrey oh right she does so if she was really a full convert prepared to tell him every the high sparrow everything she presumably would have told him that um and that is something that the sparrow could really have power with and it's possible that the answer will be she did and he's holding that close to his vest prepared to play it when the time comes but that that didn't come up at all, and that seems like that would be the signal to me that it's real if she said anything about that, because there's no way she would ever ever admit to anything like that unless it was hundred percent genuine, and it could even be that you know somewhere in the middle, like she's a little bit converted, but holding that close. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I I don't buy a conversion at all. Yeah, well, it's just see so, where they take it. What does everyone think about Jamie no longer being Kingsguard? I don't want Viv to ring her bell. <laughs> <laughs> then there's your answer. <laughs> if you think I'm going to ring it, don't say it. Um... <laughs> so, with, without saying anything else about it. This ties into uh, something else that happened earlier this season that suggests that Jamie will be returning to the storyline from the books that we thought was long since abandoned. Mm. Uh, so yes. him going to River Run yeah. happened in the books. Yes. So that, uh, without saying anything else about it, mm-hmm. It's that's what was fascinating about that decision, and one of the things that I honestly thought I was most excited by, uh, in terms of all of this, just because there's a lot of story stuff that that yeah. could probably mean. Um, with, with so don't ring a bell, but I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking of the know. things that it leads to. Look stuff well, aside. You Look know what it leads aside. to? It leads to there's someone bron- else going there. More bronze screen time. Yeah. Yes, more bronze screen time, which is yeah. awesome. Yeah. There's also somebody else going to River Run right now. Mm-hmm. 
Brienne is being sent to River Run. Yeah. yeah. We might yeah. be able to play the Reunited song again. Yeah. <laughs> well, like they're, they I might don't... not feel so good for them, no. though, because yeah. think about where they're, they're, just, they're going oh. to River Run with opposite cross-purposes. Right. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're yeah. We're circling. We're circling. All right. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so in any we case, must, it'll having... be talk so much about it when it happens because I really think it's coming at this point. Oh, no, totally. But uh, so in any case, though, um, having Jamie fired could be another clue towards this being a Marjorie machination yeah. because she may be thinking, well, this this will be a way of, like, if, if I'm pretty confident that the Lannisters all have dirty secrets and the Tyrells, by comparison are cleaner, then maybe we can put up with this alliance with the Sparrows if it allows us to rid ourselves of the Lannister presence. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, get Jamie out of town. J you know, uh, Cersei has already got her trial upcoming, and even, in, even if she were to win a trial by combat, you know, it's still complicated. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and so... Mm -hmm. I, and I think Elena struck a deal, and this is this is a coup attempt. Yeah. They already mm -hmm. have their forces in the city, and now mm -hmm. if they're combined with the High Sparrow, with the the militant faith militants, they oh. own King's Landing. What if this was part of the plan? Like you know what I mean? Like what <laughs> if Elena doing this? Oh, he's beaten us. What if that's an act? <clears throat> what yeah. if this is all a trick to get? Cersei to say, yeah, bring all the Tyrell forces into the city. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, go ahead and do that. I'm going to pretend to be upset about it. Um, I uh... shoot, no, I forgot what I was going oh, to say. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Dang it. No, it's okay. Um, it was about Jamie uh, no longer being part of King's Guard. Dang it. Keep talking. I'll come back to it. Uh, okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was interesting, I thought, that the parting of Jamie and uh, Cersei, again, without getting into too much detail about what happens in the books, they, they do not part in very good terms um, mm. in the books when he is leaving for, uh, for River Run. Um, and the timing is different in the books because the... In the books, he is away from King's Landing already when Cersei is going through her whole atonement ordeal. And so when she is in the dungeon, one of the things she does is write to him. Um, and and but So he is already out of the city because he has gone to River Run, and that's because the, the timelines are different. Um, so, But the, the idea that they're still in very much in love which is, you know, this weird thing where I think we've kind of, I don't know about you guys, but I've sort of been numbed to the idea that it should be taboo that they're brother and sister, and it's more just like, nope, nope, they, they love each other. Isn't that sweet? It's romantic. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, the idea that they're, you know, making out and saying, you know, you're going to go show our men that you can be the head of the army and... Uh, and this will all be a good thing, you'll see. And uh, that sort of parting was not how they left left things yeah. in the books in this equivalent section. 
So uh, I remembered my thought. Um, I really enjoyed how Jamie again tempted uh, someone to punish him mm -hmm. uh, because much like he did with the High Sparrow, you know, it's like you, you bring Marjorie in here, you bring Cersei in here. What about me? I killed my king. Uh, there's many things that people can accuse me of, and I am a great sinner. Where's my punishment? And he says the same thing to Tommen. You don't want me here because you say I'm a sinner, so what now? Shall I do a walk of shame? Shall I do a walk of atonement? And again, they just gloss over it. They don't even... Yeah. They don't even address it, and it's it's you know it's more along the lines of that. Oh, we'll punish anyone, but really we're very particular in who we are punishing. Um, and I think that that's kind of interesting. And I do want to address. Uh, Jennifer asks. I thought people can't get kicked out of the King's Guard. Joffrey set the precedent when he got rid of Barristan, Sir Barristan the Bold. Yeah. Rest um, in peace. Yes. Yes. Uh, pour one out for Sir Barristan. <laughs> um, and um, uh, where is it? Uh, there was another comment, and it seems to have disappeared. But Mike McCauley had something else where he thought that Tommen and uh, Marjorie were definitely plotting something, and maybe mothers are involved somewhere. I don't know. If, I mean, I think Tommen is doing whatever Marjorie says. And yeah. I don't think he understands any. I mean, it was so yeah. clear. Mm -hmm. Well, what, what, what do I do then? You know, it was like when he was with Cersei, he would do whatever she wanted. But now that his young lover is mm -hmm. close at hand yeah. again, that's who he's going to choose. You know? Yeah. I mean, he, I, he's, his. I can't remember the age check that we lost it on him, but he's like basically a 15-year-old king with a boner with a hot wife. Yeah. But a good heart, and I think that that's allowing various people to manipulate him. Just on, you know, it's like yep. it's a it's a common thing to discuss in Survivor that there are certain kinds of players of like, well, who do they side with? It depends on who talks to them last. Exactly. I think Tommen's kind of like that. Yeah. Which is why Tommen needs to have somebody there in his ear, twenty four seven. Well, this is another. Thing that the show has glossed over to my frustration, which is that Kevin has just been like a non-entity yeah. this season, and that's a problem because he's supposed to be the king's hand, and there's all these things that the king is doing, policy questions, that he's just seems like he has no opinion on. Mm -hmm. Well, but it looked like Tommen was like kind of keeping an eye on him when he was talking to Jamie, like, I'm still doing this, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean it. You're out. Oh. gone. Well, I, I'll, it, yeah. I, I, maybe I read too much into it, but it seemed like Kevin was kind of instructing him from the side. But Kevin had said earlier that he wasn't happy about Lancel being part of the Sparrows. Yeah. Right. So it doesn't seem like he would take their side. Right. Well, you know, there's a reason that Tywin sent... Tyrion and not Kevin yeah. to fill in for him. It's also true that Kevin wanted to separate Jamie and Cersei since a long time back. So yep. So even if he's not on the Sparrow's side, he he might still be willing to say, yeah, let's get Jamie out of here. He's going to wreck stuff. <laughs> yeah. No doubt yep, about yep, it. Yep. Yeah. So I I'm I'm out for King's Landing. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> Me too. let's check in with Arya. The House mm. of Black and White. 
things get a little more twisted. Yes. Um, I'm going to just go ahead and go on the record of saying that I think there are there is stuff happening in the last couple of episodes that just feels like it's directly in conflict with stuff that happened in previous episodes. You know, we kind of talked about that with Marjorie. And now, like, we got to the point where they had this whole, whole sort of thing where at least it's presented as this mystic ceremony of, Arya, drink this water. You will die unless you are truly no one. And she drinks it and her eyes come back, which is meant, I think, intentionally to suggest not only is she truly no one, but this is like point of no return for her. And then the next episode, nope, she's fine. In fact, she's more like Arya than ever. And now she's fully broken uh, from that. And I, I read a recap that I couldn't help but agree with. Now, let me first make it totally clear. I'm super happy that she is Arya. <laughs> I don't right. want her to. Not, I don't want her to be no one. I don't want her to be don't this be faceless a girl. Man. <laughs> but that said, if she's leaving now, like, what was the point of all this time that she spent there? Yeah. Um, I think the point of her being there and leaving now is, and and again, I agree. Like, I think that it, it's. It's probably very rushed what's happening here, but I think uh, the reason why she's leaving now is she's learned the skills that she needs to learn for whatever it is she's supposed to do in the future. Mm. And that's why he's sending the waif after her to kill her because she no one can leave the House of the Undying with that information. Um, the House of Black and White. Sorry, Black right and White. Undying's a whole different thing. My bad. <laughs> that was that was the warlocks and Karth. Just yes, in case sorry, but it doesn't Thank recall. You, Chris, yeah, um, that's all right. I just want to, you'd get yelled at otherwise, right? I would totally get yelled at. They'd go, mm -hmm. "Oh my God, she knows nothing. Why is she even on a podcast?" <laughs> um, but it it could also just be a character thing, right? You know, mm -hmm. it's like regardless of what skills she has learned, what she has done is pass through her nihilism stage and say, no, I flirted with being just this cynical, nihilistic, I don't care about anything, I'm just a killer phase, but then as she plumbed the depths of that, she realized that's, that's not what she wants. And when feeling the emotions of that she felt like the emotions that this play uh, brought out in her, uh, that just kind of made her say, I thought that I was numb, but now I can see that I'm not. I And, and I have a direct example of that's what numb is, and I'm not that. Yeah. And so now she is ready to be herself again. Yeah, like they, they pushed her to a point that, she just couldn't cross. Yeah. Hmm. So, Viv, you had a question. She may um, be... Uh... I'm not sure if she can actually talk. If not, uh, I'll, I'll bring it up for her. Okay, she's not coming back, so... Yeah. Uh, Viv wants to know, does Arya feel sympathy for Cersei now because of the actress, or is she simply being compelled by the acting? So, it's 
does she feel sympathy because of the actress? Does she feel sympathy, be, you know, because she likes the actress? Does she feel sympathy because the actress is that good at acting? Or, and, and the third option, I'm adding this on, is she able, because of the actress, to see things from Cersei's point of view? I think that it's not so much sympathy for Cersei. It's as in like, oh, maybe Cersei's not so bad after all. It's more a matter of being able to relate to the emptiness and anger you would feel having something dear stolen from you and recognizing that even if she still hates Cersei, recognizing that the pure poetic sadness that the actress was depicting doesn't ring true. It's like, I know, having gone through losing family right in front of you, that's not what it feels like. Yeah. And I don't believe that's what Cersei would have felt when Joffrey died. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's there's a little bit of the you know we're we're not so different you and I that sort of tropey thing but <laughs> like I don't know that it necessarily means that she feels like like sympathy or even pity for Cersei as much as she feels like she understands Cersei better hmm. like like she can have empathy for this moment of Cersei but still hate her. Well, and then I, I, like I was saying earlier, I think there's an element where it's not even just about Cersei or the actress specifically as much as recognizing I'm supposed to have been no one, someone with no emotions, uh, no identity, but then I go and I watch this dumb play about dumbified versions of real history that involves my family, and I still feel it. Yeah. I smile when Joffrey's being dumb. I'm mad when they show Ned being dumb. Yep. I worried when they show my sister having to marry Tyrion. And when I see Joffrey die, I'm glad he's dead, but then I, I see Cersei, and I can recognize something about this emotion isn't right either. And and it's just sort of a reckoning it's a reckoning that like Arya is not dead inside. No matter how much she kind of tried to be for a while, it didn't take. And it's more just like and it that's exactly why this was given to her as a test, right? Right. That's exactly, exactly what they were testing for. And <laughs> yeah. so in that sense she explicitly and definitively failed the test that they set for her. This was her final test, yeah. Yeah, um, so Mike McCauley says that uh, he thinks that it was Arya's plan from the start to get the training that she needed um, and that never intended to be the girl with no mm -hmm. name. And uh, once she went back to get Needle, he cheered and felt... That helped that theory. I'm not sure. I think that that was her original plan, but um, hmm. I, I I think for a while she wanted to be no one. You know that, mm -hmm. that as Christiana was talking about, there's a bit of that nihilist in in her, 
And I mean, you go through so much pain, you you kind of want to be dead inside. You want to be able to um, experience no no feeling. And I can totally understand that. But I don't think that she ever got to a point where she was able to stop feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Mike, <laughs> I was also gonna. He's he's uh, his comment is much like what I have in my notes, uh, liking the part where Arya giggled in the crowd. Uh, it's really neat because if you watch her, Arya is giggling at Joff in pain and everybody else is mm-hmm. not laughing. Like that's not funny to anybody mm-hmm. else. And then when uh, Cersei is pouring out her heart in, in the play, uh, is pouring out her heart and going through so much emotion, everybody else is laughing and Arya stops laughing. Mm-hmm. And, and and she suddenly looks and, you know, as we said, she she can feel... Empathetic for that moment and and know what it's like to lose a family member, and know that it's not you know, it's not something it's not laughing. Yeah. So um, what what do you what do you think, Chooch, as far as when what was Zarya's plan here? Like from when she came to this the House of Black and White, do you think that she was just trying to get training so that she could go back and finish killing her list? That that was my initial thought was yeah she was going for that training and she didn't quite know it was going to be involved I think she fell into the uh, she fell into the darkness and despair it was pretty natural that what she had gone through it's pretty natural with teenagers anyways you know she just ended up going emo and not full goth <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I I don't like so many things in the last few episodes and and in this episode specifically, I don't necessarily see the logic or see why the decision was made. I am definitely happy about it for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not want her to become a girl and we didn't want to lose Aria. And yeah, seeing her with needle was just amazing. Very cool. It's like there, there's the confirmation. She didn't throw it in the water. She's, you know, (laughs) she's good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, where she's going to go from here. Well, I see, here's, here's a question. Um, she clearly doesn't run. She right. goes back to her little hovel, wherever that is, whether it's in the house of black and white or somewhere else, it's not hundred percent clear, but she clearly goes back to her bed knowing they're going to come for her. That's why she gets the sword. That's why she lies down with it and kind of hides it next to her. Mm-hmm. I think she knows that the waif is going to come for her and and she doesn't run. She's because what the what Jacqueline said to her when he gave her this mission is basically you need to do it um because the the god is face the many-faced god is expecting a death yeah. and implying that if it's not this actress it'll be you. But does it have to be right <laughs> one way or another her face is going on the wall but i mean you know she's gotten yeah. called out before for for killing the wrong person or not killing the yeah. right person or you know mm-hmm. i have i have always felt that um as long as aria had needle she was not no one yes mm-hmm. double negative that works um <laughs> uh, that that having needle meant she was still aria and um, so the fact that she still has needle uh, just kind of solidifies that. Uh, I don't think that I think that she wanted to be no one for a while, but I don't think she ever was able to give up needle, which is her. Mm-hmm. It's her revenge, really. Like needle to me is a symbol of her revenge, because without needle, there's yeah. 
you know. Well, it's, it's her tie to John and tie to yeah, it's her family yeah. and all that. Um, I definitely, I got the impression that when you know at the end of season four, she got on the boat um, to go to Bravos. That felt to me like Arya saying, "I'm leaving all this behind and I'm not coming back." Um, and so I don't think that she had in mind this plan to go get training and to become a badass so that she could come back and finish her list. Um, but at the same time, obviously, when you know Marin Trant showed up, that was too great a temptation. <laughs> um, and then she's just un she's finding as much as she kind of wanted to leave everything behind. She she ultimately can't, and I think this was the episode where she reached that conclusion definitively of like, mm. I'm going to stop trying to pretend that I can stop being who I am, and I'm going to be that again. Although again, like I said, getting needle is one thing, but she doesn't run. So right. she she like you know I I think I said a couple of episodes ago I always assumed she was going to have to fight her way out. Yep. Of the uh, House of Black and White, so. So, um, assuming she fights her way out, and this is all speculation because there's nothing in the books. Where do each of you want Arya to go? Hmm. Honestly, hmm. I I don't care about her finishing her previous list. Mm -hmm. That's kind of I I want her to go meet up with Sansa and John if that's an option. Yeah. You know, um, I feel like the the story is not going to give her a direct path. Um, but honestly, I would rather see her reunite with them than be able to complete the list she had before, because mm -hmm. I feel like she's like she's still Arya Stark, but Arya Stark is a different person than that girl who got on the boat to Bravos. Agreed. And um, so I I feel like the list was sort of a way to try to give herself direction when it felt like she had nothing. Mm -hmm. And I think that what she's recognized now is that just recognizing who she is is, is something. And she needs to do that. You know, she spent so much time having to pretend she wasn't who she was. And every time she tried to get close to being Arya Stark again, people she loved were taken away from her. And so that's, it's no wonder that she would have felt like, no, I just need to leave all of that alone. But now I think it's more a matter of like, I, I can't, I cannot fight my destiny. <laughs> Yeah, I could see her skulking around King's Landing and then other parts of Westeros. You know, she's learned all these yeah. skills to be able to really blend into the background, even yeah. without faces. You know, she's learned some acting. Mm -hmm. She's learned how to beg. She's learned how to how to kind of make it on her own. Mm -hmm. And so I think she'll go and do a bunch of information gathering in Westeros and then figure out where to yeah. go from there. Presumably, yeah. she would want to get reunited with her family. And that's certainly what I mm -hmm. want to see. I want to see her with Brienne again and yeah. see with... With um um yeah with John and Sansa and everybody. Mm -hmm. 
I'm uh, going to agree ahead. that I also don't want her to go back to the list. I actually didn't even think about that as an option because <laughs> I kind of feel uh, the same way. I think she's moved on from her list. It's no longer that important to her. Um, and uh, But this is my fangirl. I want her to hook up with Danny. I want ah. I want Arya to get out there and and be with Danny somehow and and fulfill something in this whole side quest going on mm-hmm. um, or something that could tie other things together. I feel in my heart of hearts story wise that Arya's journey is not it, it always feels very separate from everything else even though it intertwines with certain things. I don't think that it's a frivolous side quest. I I believe that it will come back and be part of the bigger story. She and, uh, she has she has to go east to go west. Something like that. <laughs> yes, she has to go east to go west. Um, <laughs> the uh, one one just other brief fun idea I had is that it's sort of related to that is that uh, could be fun to have her uh, see her uh, meet up with uh, Tyrion and Varys too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, And uh, Mike McCauley says, Hmm. who is she closest to geographically? Um, Bravos is... I was just trying to pull up a map of Essos. Um, uh, Trying to pull up a map that's a map of Essos big enough to uh, actually read. Yeah, I think it's probably easiest to get back to Westeros. Yeah, because it's just across the narrow yeah. sea from Bravos, whereas Essos is really big. So the Marines all the way on the other side of Slavers Bay. Yeah, so it's she's pretty far away from from Marine. But they um, don't really can, care about that in the show. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's also true. Danny seems to be planning to. Well, you know, we'll get there, but. Yeah. Uh, she seems to be maybe they can meet up in the middle somewhere. Yeah, and at first, you know, I, I figured somebody from the Iron Isles would be going to Bravos because they need money to build ships or do whatever they're going to do. But it doesn't seem like they're going to go that way. <laughs> Didn't it's seem a, like it. It's a theory. But I don't know that she would necessarily recognize anybody other than Theon. You know, like who, why she wouldn't recognize Euron? Oh, uh, she probably just stabbed Theon, thinking that he killed her <laughs> brothers. Yeah. Well, we do remember that the last we saw Theon and uh, Yara, they were um, mm-hmm. running away together um, yep. with the, all the best ships. Where are they going? And is it just Although, me, or does the Waif look a lot like Yara? Nothing similarities. Mm. Not a whole lot. I don't see okay, it. Okay, it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> that yes, finishes um, up Bravos pretty well. All right. Definitely. Yeah, I think so. I, 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 I'm a little scared that we could end up with a showdown, you know, like she kills the waif and then runs off for the night or something. And then mm-hmm. we don't see her till the next season or something. I'm a little scared that'll happen, that she'll mm-hmm. just kind of disappear for a while and then she'll be some deus ex machina later down the road. But I don't think I, they will. Yeah, I think Arya is one of the more popular characters, so I, yeah. I feel like they wouldn't just drop her. Um, but yeah, hard to know, though, um, exactly what's going to happen. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, I'm yeah. excited to see. Flip um, to a very unpopular character, the phrase, yes. <laughs> Walder phrase oh, specifically. Right, yeah. <laughs> Almost forgot we had that little interlude there. Well, I have I have just a couple of notes there. Um, 
I do love his whole speech. Uh, he felt a little more Lord Frey here than ever before, but he was still like, I'm sorry. One of my problems is Lord Frey, he's gross. He's not dirty. There's a difference. Um, but uh, I love the whole, you don't lose a castle. You lost a man. You don't lose a castle to disappear, you know. Um, but I, throughout the entire scene, um, was very focused on his young wife and the uncomfortableness there. And I just really want his wife to kill him. <laughs> I want that to be a, she kills him in his sleep. Um, she takes advantage and maybe it has to do with some subversive plot. But I want his wife to just be able to kill him because he clearly makes her very uncomfortable. She flinches at his every touch. He is not nice or kind to her, and he smacks her her bottom and pulls her around, and it just it's very uncomfortable. So I really want her to be able to kill him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, which I'm sure has been true notes. of pretty much every one of his wives down the line. You know, I don't, don't think he's necessarily become this way. I think he's always been this way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was kind of on the side of the hapless Frey nephews, um, on there just because it's kind of like, he's going on about, you don't lose a castle. And I'm like, dude, you know what we mean? Come on, man. You're splitting hairs about wording. Like, don't focus on semantics here, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's. You know, just because you can say, you you know, take it back. It's like, yeah, except how? Right. We we came to you to let you know because we needed help, and you're basically saying, no, do it without my help. And um, we're like, what? There's a reason. There's a reason we phrase don't get involved in wars till we know who's gonna win. Yeah. <laughs> like, Although, I mean, you know, as as we saw in King's Landing, it it appears that uh, you know the Lannisters are coming up to help, or at the very least, to not let the Blackfish have it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, I again, I'm. This is not. <laughs> This is not a spoiler to resolve um, what happens at River Run because we don't actually know. This is an example of a thing that we can't spoil the final outcome. Mm-hmm. For the uh, listeners at home, I'm sorry, but Viv just ran in with the bell to mm-hmm. hand it to Chooch. Yeah. It was just a coincidence. Uh, so this is what I just mean to say is that this is not spoiler. This is just sort of speculation based on what's mm-hmm. been presented, which is to say even if the Lannisters show up with Jamie and take back River Run, it's not clear that they just hand it back to the phrase who lost it in the first place. They would exactly. Like, it would, might be a little bit more along the lines of, "Yeah, we know you made a deal, but that was for giving it to you the first time. Yeah. Since we just had to capture it back, it's ours now." Yeah. I I wouldn't give it back to the phrase. Yeah, no, they're, no, they're no. not good stewards. <laughs> and, and what can they actually offer me at this point? You know, they can't keep a castle, mm-hmm. and giving them the uh, giving them River Run is not going to make them. You know, they're they're not able to switch sides at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, they really can't switch sides to be with another force at this point. So. 
you don't lose anything. You no longer have to play the diplomat. They're stuck with your side, so you don't have to be nice. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Nobody else is even willing to can't stand them. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be very They've interesting. Already betrayed the other side. If uh, mm -hmm. if Brian shows up around the same time Jamie does, and yeah, again, well, like that's you were saying, and just like yeah, I, it's just what which way do they go? I don't. Well, right, because they are they are explicitly at cross purposes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jamie is ordered to take use the Lannister army to take back the castle from the Blackfish. Uh, you know, Brienne is supposed to, uh, you know, take the Blackfish's men, having seized River Run, and use them to go fight the Boltons. So mm -hmm. that those two things cannot. Well, I suppose the Blackfish and his men could leave River Run, go fight the Boltons <laughs> while Jamie takes River Run. That could work. Win-win. <laughs> oh boy. Win-win-ish. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't really have anything else for. Yeah, uh, that's about it. <laughs> honestly, yeah, it's pretty brief. Um, you know, so uh, Danny is who we've got left, right? I don't have mm -hmm. a lot for that either. Yes, she gives an awesome speech on a dragon, and it's it's great. But like, that's really all that happens, other than the implication that she's done dicking around in Slaver's Bay, and she's going to go to Westeros now, which is great. Yeah. Do, do you want to know what my notes say? My note says dragon riders. That's Yay. it. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I, it, it was a neat scene. Um, it was funny. Dario's like, "Oh, I'm going to go find her." You dumb dumb. She told you to wait. And then she shows up on this dragon. Um, I love dragon scenes, so we know mm -hmm. this. Uh, but especially I loved the shadow of the dragon over the horde. Mm. I thought that was mm -hmm. really neat. Um, it seemed like he had really grown again, like, you know, being yes. outside and ranging, that he had mm -hmm. significantly gotten, or noticeably gotten bigger even. Yeah. I think he will be much bigger than his brother's. Agreed. I, I think it also, just to revisit a question that we had a few episodes ago that was left somewhat ambiguous, I think it's obvious that the other two dragons perhaps were unchained, but not free from that yeah. cave or dungeon or whatever there was. I feel hmm. like we'd see them by now if they had been free. Yeah, there would have been, we've had plenty of other Tyrion and Varys scenes that they would have had to address where they were if At least mm -hmm. if it wasn't still in the cave. Get a report of them rampaging the countryside or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or I if, also or if you her... would think we, they would also notice if they just plain disappeared, right? If they were heading towards yeah. her, they wouldn't know that's where they were going. They would just know they disappeared. And we'd have reports of them like eating local lamb or burning things or whatever. Children, yeah. you know, there, there'd be something. Yeah. Um, I did think when the Dothraki horde was in that like um, valley, I was like, wow, this is a perfect ambush spot. But luckily, that's not what happened. I was thinking mm. it was a perfect spot to only have to show a few guys without it. it that's what I think yeah. the reason was. <laughs> But it was good. It was it was good. Um, it's you know, Danny's good at the grand gestures. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I like. I, I did not mean to diminish the fact yeah. that the speech and the dragon and all that was awesome. It's just that like other than the revelation, like yeah. Danny Drogon reunited, yay. Um, apparent plan to go back to Westeros, double yay. Uh, what? that's it really. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, you right. you have more notes than I did. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, there was uh, uh, some feedback we got from Sheriff Bullock in email form. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, a little bit later, I'll read his first paragraph. And I, di- I skipped a couple of things because he pretty much reiterated. He felt very similar to how we did uh, about mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. So, um, But so I suppose Danny flying down on Drogon and rally, rallying her horde to go to Westeros was supposed to be an amazing moment. But it felt like a retread of all the other times she does exactly this, like a mere two weeks ago when she stepped out of flaming building and unburned. <laughs> I was also distracted by the CGI and I couldn't decide if it looked good or not. I thought it looked great. I didn't, I didn't see any weirdness. But yeah, it did seem like like as a grand gesture, it was definitely underplayed or, or underwhelming because she's done so many amazing things recently. Yeah. Although, as Jennifer says, uh, everything said is better when said sitting on a dragon. Agreed. Cannot argue with that. Very true. Yep. Now, there's one other thing. I hear this term. I didn't hit the bell. I'm hearing it more and more frequently, and it, I don't believe there's anything with that phrase in the show, but Nadia just said something, something, Dragon Riders. Oh. And I keep hearing somebody say, oh, so are they the other head of the dragon? Well, there's no show thing wanna... that has said anything like that, right? You are correct. Clear. Nadia, yeah. do you want to cover this? It's, so becoming, think... it's becoming so common that it seems like... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's okay. it's a book theory. Yeah, I think. so yeah, so whenever you've got dragons, especially because of the dragon riders of Pern series, people uh, automatically think there's going to be dragon riders. You know, p- who's going to ride the dragon? Um, in the books and a little bit in the show, they talk about how um, the uh, I can't even remember. I'm gonna get the names wrong, but the old Targaryens came from Valeria with dragons and conquered Westeros, and it was. Some dude that starts with a V and two of his sisters, one of which being Nymeria, which is who uh, the the dire wolf is named for and who one of the sand snakes is named for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we know that there have been dragon riders in the past. And that is the reason why the Targaryen shield is a three-headed dragon. Ah, okay. So there's speculation that there will be three riders, three heads of the dragon. There's a lot more like Danny internal thinking about this in the book, but well, it was part of one of the prophecies she yeah, received. Yeah, part of the too. one of the prophecies. Oh. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to be spoiler free. Sure, sure. But, <laughs> but, but, but it's like, pretty logical. Yeah. But also, I mean, I think just the way you can get there just from the show too is yeah. just the idea of oh, riding a dragon is a thing. Guess what? There's three of them. Who's going to ride the other two? Yeah. And that's yeah. the I mean, other thing. Yeah. Not necessarily. And seeing as human, they're so but... small, Tyrion could probably, you know. <laughs> Who else is small? They seem to like him okay. He took their chains off. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Who else is small? So I just got goosebumps thinking about that Tyrion dragon scene again because that was oh, just yeah. so amazing where he's talking to them and giving that whole speech. Yeah. Takes the chain off of the other one. And then the second one. He's looking at him, he's like, uh-oh, uh-oh. And then it just tilts its head so he can reach the chain. It's like, mm. <gasps> they are so acknowledged. That was, that was so, so well great. Done. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Suddenly we, made me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was great, absolutely. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Reminiscing yeah. about another episode may mean we're done with this one. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I, think, I think, though, that all of the... If memory serves me correctly, the theories of Dragon Riders came very, very quickly because, well, 
it's happened before. It's kind of and a And it would be awesome yeah. if it happened. So. It would be awesome. And Dragon Riders of Pern is a thing that's in our collective consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Some of the best theories are based on what people think would be awesome if it happened. <laughs> True. Cool. Um, so I would you know, like Sansa and Sandor living in a white cottage on a hill. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, just as a sneak preview for the Balticon audio, uh, anybody um, who wasn't there, one of my favorite of the what if questions that we discussed was what if Sansa had run away with the uh, hound yes. at Blackwater. It's a very good what if. <laughs> yeah, so much could change. So, shall we go to ratings? Let me. I would like to read this uh, one paragraph oh, from Sheriff Bullock real fast. The his opening from his email, which I think kind of summed it up for me similarly as well. He writes: There are two television programs I currently watch week to week: Orphan Black and Game of Thrones. Yay, Orphan Black! <laughs> both are having fantastic seasons after disappointing mm-hmm. previous seasons, and both just aired their mid-season recalibration episodes in which things are reassessed and rearranged for the back halves. Neither show was offensively bad this week only disappointing after the wonderful highs of the previous weeks. Mm. There was very little about blood of my blood that felt essential. In fact, I'm struggling to remember what happened. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure I agree about orphan black though. I mean, certainly the, the most recent episode was much more internal. Again, I'm just going to say it's much more internal and it's focused on the inner turmoil of the characters as opposed to the external conflict. Um, But it still worked for me. It didn't feel it didn't feel disappointing uh, to me. But I mean, I can can see I can see that, though. Yeah. Um, But it was kind of a huge, big, giant reset, recalibration, reset back to the first season. Um, So it's definitely similar in that respect. Um, but what I'll go ahead and say, though, is that, like, I I think I was kind of on the record of saying that I didn't necessarily enjoy last week's all that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there were great parts in it, but I thought it was very uneven otherwise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this one, what I was actually going to say when I give my rating is uh, that I reserve, it's, it's, it's not super low, but it's lower, but with the option to raise it once we see how some of this stuff pays off. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes well, sense. Well, it's a good thing that uh, I, I keep the scores in Google Sheets and not in stone. So <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that in mind, um, I will go ahead and rate. I'm going to give this one. Eight out of ten Valerian steel blades. Nice. I'm going to give it seven out of ten rocks removed to uncover a hidden treasure. <laughs> um, nice. And I am going to give this uh, an eight out of ten redirectional U-turns. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, I... I, I no, sorry. What I meant to say is I'm giving it 8 out of 10 flipped scripts. That's it. Ah, there you go. I like that. That, yeah. that was what I meant to say. <laughs> because I feel like almost every storyline, not all of them, but many of the storylines here, it was just a flipping of the script. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah. And 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 Viv, she left her, me her score this time. Um, she's giving it 9 out of 10 Amelia Clark's adorable eyebrows. 
That's so, Seth Meyers interview. Her eyebrows were on point. She is so expressive <laughs> when she talks. She is so adorable. <laughs> so um, then it gives us a eight out of ten average. All right. um, I will say that um, I briefly uh, at at Balticon, I almost got spoiled in the elevator. Uh, I didn't watch the episode when it aired live because I was at the Voice of Free Planet X live show, which was amazing. Everybody was should go listen to the epic. episode, which is now posted on the Voice of Free Planet X podcast feed. Anyway, uh, so I hadn't wait, seen wait, it wait. yet. But okay. you weren't just there because we were all there. I you was wearing a luchador mask, <laughs> rapping on behalf of the Pan Reality Deator. I'll, I'll admit it. Epically, it was rapping. awesome. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, I didn't totally mean to sidetrack that because <laughs> what I was going to talk about is how, um, in so I I've said it a couple of times on the show, and it's it's technically a line from the prophecy that Danny gets in the books, because I don't think they've actually said it on the show, but you have to go east to go west. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one of the things that Danny kind of runs through her head when she's constantly thinking about these prophecies in the books. Mm-hmm. And so I was on one of the crowded elevators at Balticon, and it was observing how some people, um, because the elevators would always be full, if you're trying to go down, <laughs> if they would always be full coming down, so you press up and get on and ride it up to the top so that you can go back down uh, because that's faster than trying to wait for an elevator to come with room in it. And so when we were observing that that was happening, I said to this guy, other guy on the elevator, I was like, you have to go east to go west. And then he goes, oh, I know, wasn't it amazing when... And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> So I, I saw that coming, but I, so it meant I had a teensy bit of a clue that there might be something related to Danny deciding to go west for what do you know? You know so, um, nice. But yeah. it, it's just I was kind of pleased with myself that I saw so quickly I was able to discern the micro expressions of lighting up. Oh, I'm going to tell you, wasn't that this coolest thing in right. that episode? And I'm just like, no, <laughs> that's awesome. So close. So um, we just have a couple more comments. Um, yeah. Jennifer gives uh, this episode 7 out of 10 unused chain bells. That's a awesome <laughs> thing. Uh, and Chooch totally stole Mike's uh, rating system verbatim. Verbatim. <laughs> I can speak. Uh, and he's shaking his fist at you. Um, and he's also totally on board with the Tyrion the t- theory. Mm. Yes, yes, because he's small. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wealth is small. Mm-hmm. Well, just like who else of the characters has gotten as memorable a conversation with the dragons? Yeah. It's true. It's very oh. true. And um, uh, so next week's episode is The Broken Man. Mm. Who could that be? Uh, Loras, perhaps? We'll have Arya's going to reunite with the Hound, obviously. No. Right. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, um, you know, that's that's the thing is that this has definitely proven to be a show that sometimes even when you do see the body, they're still not gone from Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. No doubt. Um, oh, Sheriff Bullock also had rated at the bottom of the email. Not a great episode. Game of Thrones, six out of ten botched assassinations. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I definitely... Um, 
like I said, uh, depending on how the next part goes, because this did feel to me like part one of a two-parter, and so it may be that some uh, some of the stuff that'll happen this coming week will uh, make some of the stuff that happened this week um, feel better. That makes um, sense. It's also possible that it will do the opposite. In right. which case, I reserve the right to re adjust my current score either way. Yes. <laughs> Seven is based on hopes that it will be improved. <laughs> All right. The, the court will allow it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's 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 it for us then. Thank you, everybody. Um, thank you um, for. Oh, I forgot to check if we had new iTunes reviews. Um, so if we do have any, I'll read them next time. I promise, and I will thank you for the ones because we have definitely beginning more ratings. We've definitely beginning stars. We had enough awesome. that it actually shows up that we have stars on the page now. So we are Thanks. moving in an awesome direction. Um, as a reminder, you can go to bitly slash sfm or no no bitly slash btw podcast bit.ly slash btw podcast takes you straight to the iTunes page for anybody else who hasn't seen it. Make sure that you're subscribed to the correct feed because even though you've been getting the episodes, it may just suddenly stop at some point and you need to subscribe to the new feed. I don't know that that'll be the case, but who knows? Apple, I didn't expect them to shut things off when I turned on HTTPS either. So um, that's it for us this week. We will see you next time live recording next Wednesday thanks everybody if you have feedback for the Beyond the Wall podcast you can email us at btw at specficmedia.com you can also leave us a comment on the website go to specficmedia.com where you'll find a shiny btw button that'll take you right to our page this podcast is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, Sharealike, 3.0, Unported License. Feel free to share and remix. Just give us credit and don't charge money for it. Um, you muted yourself. We lost mm -hmm. music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. But I got to hear him laugh at himself uh, through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>